today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What's the one thing you can give God that He does not necessarily have? I mean, my goodness, He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. You know, like we say, what gift do you buy the person who has everything? What, what is something I can give to God that He doesn't already have? Obedience. That's what you get. Your obedience is better than sacrifice. That blesses God. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. When we hear the word blessing, we tend to focus on God blessing us rather than the other way around. But today, Pastor J.D. explains that we are also capable of blessing and even ministering to God. And just how do we do this? By being obedient to Him. Obedience is more important to God than sacrifice. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You, verse 24, have bought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. How about that? (laughs) You have wearied me with your iniquities. How about that? You you think that you're weary of me, tired of me? It's actually the other way around. I'm weary from you. I mean, this is hard to read. Especially when you realize that it's talking about you. Come on, let's be honest. We all have this propensity to not call upon the Lord in our growing weary of the Lord. You'll forgive me for picking on the Israelites. I know oftentimes we're too hard on the Israelites, when if we were there, we would have done the same thing, if not worse. Remember how they had grown tired and weary and bored with the manna every single day? What's for lunch today, manna? Again? Again? We had manna yesterday. We're having manna today. Yeah, you're going to have it tomorrow and the next day 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 and the next day. Manna. There's only so much you can do with manna. I love how Bible teachers have, you know, had some fun with this. I might as well be one of them. You got manicotti, mana burgers, you know, you got, you, you can only do so much. You get, you know, let's try, let's try a new recipe. It's still manna. And they had just grown weary. And, <laughs> and this, here, the Lord's the one who's growing weary of them. 
me, have you ever think about it like that? I wonder sometimes, oh, how we grieve the heart of God in our defiance and disobedience and obstinance and stubbornness. I know you know nothing of what I speak of. I'll speak for myself. I know how we grieve the heart of God. God loves us so much, and He provides for us our every need. And then we complain, and we're so ungrateful. That was today in my prayer time with the Lord throughout the day. I just, I found myself asking Him to forgive me for not being grateful for all that He's done and all that He's provided. I mean, little things too. I'm not talking about the big things. Of course, we're always grateful for the big things. I think about the other nine. You know who I'm talking about? Jesus heals ten lepers, and only one comes back and thanks Him and expresses gratitude to Him. Don't you find it interesting that God would deem it necessary to include that account in the pages of Holy Writ, that it would rise to the level of importance to have it included in Scripture? There must be a reason for that. There is. God takes notice. A heart of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. When was the last time you just, instead of in your prayer time, instead of just grocery listing, you know, Lord, I this and this, that, there's nothing wrong. There's different kinds of prayer. Sometimes it's a petition. I mean, you're bringing that prayer list to Him, and you're petitioning the throne. But how about the last time in your prayer time when you just said, Lord, I just want to thank you. And you pull up a different list. I want to thank you for this. Oh, and this. Oh, and that. Oh, and this. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, Lord, thank you so, so, so much. Don't think for a second that the Lord is not blessed by that. You know, we always talk about even say and pray, Lord, bless me, bless them, bless this, bless that. When was the last time you prayed this? Lord, I want to bless you. Lord, bless you, praise you, thank you. I think it's Acts chapter 13. I, my memory is horrible. i got to be careful because whenever I reference a passage that I haven't read, for a while, I always botch it, but the account basically is that they're worshiping the Lord, and we're told that they were ministering to the Lord. Now, wait a minute, what? I thought the Lord ministered to us. No, they were ministering to the Lord. I can minister to the Lord? Yeah. I can bless the Lord? Yeah. Bless the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. You know how your children, grandchildren, bless your heart? 
bring a smile to your face, delight you, please you, bless you. (laughs) Whenever it's Father's Day or my birthday, and I don't make a big deal of it. My kids hate hate my birthday and Father's Day I, I, in a sanctified way. Let me explain. They hate it because whenever they say, hey, what do you want for Father's Day or what do you want for your birthday? They already know my answer. I just, I just want you. I just want you and your obedience. <laughs> because think of it like this. What's the one thing you can give God that He does not necessarily have? I mean, my goodness. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. You know, like we say, what gift do you buy the person who has everything? What, what is something I can give to God that He doesn't already have? Obedience. That's what you get. Your obedience is better than sacrifice. That blesses God when we're obedient to Him. So they don't even ask me anymore. Of course, you lose count after a few years, and and they're older now. But whenever it comes time, they just come right out and say, okay, it's your birthday. We're going to be obedient. It's like, great. Thanks a lot. What about the next day, the following day after my birthday? Are you going to be disobedient? Just, just for your birthday. We're just going to bless you on your birthday. We'll be obedient for one day. And that's it. That's all you get. Okay, well, I'll take it. <laughs> Verse 25, here it is again. I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Thank you, Jesus. Put me, verse 26, in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Your first father's sin, speaking of Adam, and your mediators have transgressed against me. Therefore, verse 28, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. Oh my goodness, this is how the chapter ends. And I'm just now looking at the clock, and now you're going to look at your watches because I said that. And you know what? Maybe it was a little bit too optimistic to get to chapter 44. So why are you laughing? Stop that. It's not very nice. You're laughing with me, right? Not at me. It's okay, I'm used to it. Well, you know what? We'll pick it up in chapter 44 next week. I do want to, though, talk just a moment about this here at the end of this chapter. I mean, think this through with me. God has just gone through this whole explanation, commanding them to not fear, because He has redeemed them. He will always be with them. And then He goes into but you've not called upon me. You've grown weary of me. And 
Here I've blotted out your transgressions, not for your sake, for my own sake. Your sins, I've removed them as far as the east is from the west, and I've remembered them no more, not for your sake, for my sake. And then here's this invitation. I don't want to use the word challenge because it's in a different context. It's not quite that strong, but it's strong enough. There's a much needed strength in this invitation to contend together. Come on, let's, it's, it's like we're going to see yet later on in Isaiah, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I have made them white as snow. How about that? It's kind of along the same lines here. Let's reason together. Let's contend together. I'll listen. I'll hear you out. State your case to me that you may be acquitted. Can I save you some time? You won't. Because you can't. Because you were born into Adam, your first father who sinned. And if that weren't bad enough, here's another reason why you will not acquit yourself. You won't acquit yourself because any mediator that you choose is just as sinful as you. Your mediators have transgressed against me, so what are you going to do? Looks like you're out of options. Actually, if I were you, I would just plead guilty as charged. Because when you do, then I can forgive you and remember your sins no more. It's like this, until and unless we acknowledge our sin as sin, it's hands off to God. In other words, when we confess our sins, what we're doing is we're confessing that what we did was sin. We're not trying to shed ourselves in a favorable light before the Lord. We're not trying to acquit ourselves and, you know, kind of take the edge off of it. Well, it wasn't really that bad. And, oh, that's, that's your case? That's, you're going to state your case? That's your argument? I mean, we can hear the case, we can contend and reason together, but um, it won't end well for you because you're guilty. And see, the problem is that when we sin, we, in our Adamic nature, do what Adam and Eve did. They try to cover it up. That's what they did. They, and again, you'll forgive my humor, but they chose fig leaves to cover their nakedness because of their sin. Um, do you know how itchy fig leaves are? They, well, I'll just leave it at that. Don't, don't take that too far, because... And then God calls them, and he, and he says to Adam, Adam, where are you? It's not like God didn't know where he was. He wanted Adam to confess 
and come clean so that he could cleanse them. So how does he cleanse them? He takes a, a lamb. He replaces their fig leaves with sheepskin seat covers covering it. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, I know. But he had to shed the blood of an innocent lamb to cover their sin. See, we don't bring it to Him, for Him to do that. We hide it. We try to cover it. And the longer we hide it and cover it and don't confess it, the longer Satan has to build an infrastructure of guilt and condemnation in our lives. In fact, by the way, that's his sole goal when we sin. He wants to keep us from the cross because he knows that as soon as we get to the cross, done, forgiven, instantly by the way. None of this, wow, that was pretty bad. This one's going to take a few days. I better lay low. Man, I, I really blew it. Yeah, you did. This was really bad. I know it was. And the enemy's right there. He's, in fact, you know what he does? I know he does this in your life. He does this in my life. He knows I like popcorn, so he pops the popcorn, and he has me sit down in the chair, get comfortable. And then he gets the DVD of the old home movies, and he plays them for me. He says, remember when you did that? Oh, Right? And then what do I do? I'm like, oh man, I don't want anybody to know. I better hide this. I better cover this. And the Lord's like, man, I, if you'll just come out from behind that covering and quit hiding like Adam did, your father, <laughs> that Adamic nature in you, if you'll just come out and bring it to me, I will forgive you because it's already paid for. I redeemed you. I redeemed you. The longer it takes you to get to the cross, the longer you give the enemy permission to condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. This is the number one way the enemy will keep a Christian walking in defeat. And it plays out every day, a thousand times a day in our lives. Do you think for a second, I'll end with this, do you think for a second that God is taken back when you sin? Can you imagine? What did J.D. do? When was this? No, I get, he did it again. He even promised me and made a vow to me, Lord, I'll never do that again. He did it again. That's it. That's what Satan wants you to think. I know that was a very dramatic way to illustrate it, but you got the point, right? No. <laughs> oh, and here's another layer to that, if I can say it like that. Do you think for a second that at some point, you know, we should know better than that. Man, you've been walking with the Lord for 39 years, going on 40. 
You have to, you, you, you arrive at this place. <laughs> and, oh, it says right there, hey, if he, if he can get you to go down that road, he'll, he'll drive. He'll, he'll, he'll get a limo for you and drive you down that road if you want. You know what that road is, right? Well, I would never do that. Oh, oh really? Something about pride comes before the fall. And, and it's kind of like, when, not if, you sin. Yeah, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years, and I still sin. Duh! Are you going to be sinless this side of, of heaven, in this body, in, the, in your flesh? The Apostle Paul said, I know that in my flesh there dwells no good thing. One translation gets right to it and says, I am rotten and sinful to the core. I am a sinner. And never think for a second, the Lord's in heaven going, man, J.D., you've been walking with me for 39 years and you still sin? What's up with that? You would think you would get it by now. What's the matter with you? You, you sin. Man, what are we going to do? No, nothing you do. It was already done. It, it's finished. God is, it, let me just take it one step for this. Will I promise you be the last thing. The last, last thing. I want you to think this through with me. So if the Lord tarries, you ready for this? You're going to sin again. I know, shocking. And do you know that your sin's future are also paid for? Every sin you've ever sinned, every sin you're even now sinning, like saying, is he ever going to end? That's sin. You need to repent. <laughs> and every sin that you will sin, yet future is paid for in full. And you are forgiven. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. And the next time Satan tries to remind you of that, remind him. Oh, I wouldn't be talking if I were you. I've, I've read your book, the book of Revelation. That's why Satan keeps Christians from reading the book of Revelation. I mean, how would you like someone reading a book about you in the end and being cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity? Yeah, I wouldn't want you reading a book about that either. Make sense? You just remind him when he reminds you it's been said of your past, you just remind him of his future. <laughs> Let's pray. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we are precious in your sight. Thank you that you are always with us. Thank you that we have nothing to fear, that we are yours, we belong to you, and that our sins are forgiven, and you don't even remember them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Amen. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.